Thank you, John, for leading us through that spiritual practice. It's so important that as we continue to move forward in our study of prayer, that we even practice these spiritual practices at home in our own life. And, you know, as we're going into the second sermon on prayer, hope in Psalms, we're going to look at Psalm 8 today. And Psalm 8 today is a really great passage, but it's going to take our prayer life a little bit of a different bent. Because typically, our prayers are about things that are immediate and relevant to us. Psalm 8 teaches us that we can take prayers to a more global perspective, not in terms of praying for people in India, although that's legitimate, but it's global in the idea that we, that we elevate our view larger than ourselves. And one of the things that Psalm 8 does for us as a prayer is it puts life into perspective. So many of the Psalms help us with this. It helps us with a perspective of life that gives us a transcendency, an ability to look beyond so that we're able to say, my current situation can be put into a larger context. Whether my current situation is glorious and wonderful or whether it is terrible and suffering, it's important that as Christians, we continually practice to put our current reality into a much longer view of eternity, of what God has been doing from the beginning of time all the way to the end of time. And so it's so important for us to consider a psalm like Psalm 8. Before I read it, I'm going to open us up in prayer. Holy Spirit, we know that you are with us and you indwell us. We have prepared ourselves for you to meet with you and to hear from you. And today, as we reflect in Psalm 8, I pray that you would give us a perspective that is true, that is sure, that continues on, one that enables us to see our current situation as it truly is. God, I pray that you would infuse this type of prayer into our own practices, into our own prayer life, so that we can have a better, more godly view of the world. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, when I say... I was thinking as I pray, as I pray that we get a godly view, we typically get as high as a bird's eye view, but think about it, if we were to get a godly view of the world, that's just a fantastic perspective. Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes. To still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. 
and have crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heaven, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I love this psalm. It's just a beautiful expression of praise, a beautiful expression of hope found in Psalms. And so today I'm just going to make some observations about this psalm. And the first one should be blatantly obvious. God's majesty and his greatness is the start and the end of this psalm. His majesty and his greatness. If you miss this, you miss the entire point of the psalm. And I don't know how we could read this psalm without getting it. I think that what happens here is that if we stop including this type of reflection in our prayers, our prayers so easily become egocentric. They're centered around my perception of reality. When I start and end a prayer time with God's perception of reality, with with God's majesty, with God's glory, and its perspective over the whole earth, now I'm putting my prayer into a healthy starting place. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Walter Kaiser, in his book, The Majesty of God in the Old Testament, was taking a look at the teachings of the Old Testament and talking about how, we, how the Old Testament views God and, and what it says about it. So he says, We dare to announce with great boldness and fervor the teaching of the Old Testament on the supremacy and majesty of our incomparably great God, who exceeds every boundary and every limitation known to any and all mortals who alone is God of gods, King of kings, and Lord of lords. We dare to announce with great boldness the majesty of our incomparably great God. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic. What does that even mean? To be be clothed in majesty you know, we, we think of, we think of that, that ultimate wow. You know, that ultimate like, oh my goodness, that is, sometimes we, we think of majesty in terms of luxury, where it's, you know, fully decked out. But that doesn't even encapsulate all of majesty, because majesty has to do also with the ruling authority that comes with it. So we would, again, do really well to think of a throne room of an ancient king that is luxurious beyond what all of the realm around it is, that is all decked out, but also has all the honor of everybody looking towards that one central figure. Majesty is created by the sheer attention of everyone else in the room, elevating the subject to a position of awe and splendor, and and it is completely deserved. It isn't that we say, well, if we don't elevate God, then God becomes nothing, but it is the reflection of that which is totally deserved. That we say, how majestic 
is your name in all the earth. It is a statement of fact, but it's felt and it's, and it's, it's experienced. And it's like, wow, the wonder of God. The observation of who he is. And sometimes in times of trouble, this becomes a very helpful thing to do. When the world is absolutely crazy around you, when people are making absolutely ridiculous comments and and things are happening around you and changes are coming so fast and you feel like maybe nothing is in control, a psalm like this centers us and says, right, God and his majesty is greater than my temporal changing situation. You know, there's, there's tons of crazy that happens around us. I mean, we have our personal crazy, our own sense of our thought driving us crazy all over the place. I, I am an extrovert. I'm a really high-level extrovert. I thrive on your energy. Sounds terrible. But really, I get so much energy when I'm hanging around people. I get so much energy when I am with others. And during this pandemic, I have been not seeing enough people. And what that brings out in me is my own personal crazy. It brings out in me my own own thoughts of how am I connecting and what's going to happen and my worry and my apprehension and all of that other stuff. It all gets built in in a psalm like this that, that says, okay, you have set your glory above the heavens. Okay. I can hold on to that. I can hold on and I can say my crazy can be put at bay when I pray the truth that God's name is majestic and his glory is above the heavens and it's not changing. When everything else is changing, that's not changing. You know, we can apply the same to family crazy. Every area where our life is feeling tension, maybe because we're around each other so much now and, and there's more tension and maybe you're working from home and you know, you're, you're on a Zoom call which are so annoying and hard to handle all the time and the kids are around and it's frustrating. And we see that the next verse says, out of the mouths of babes and infants, you've established strength because of your foes to still the energy, uh, the enemy and the avenger. And, and the, the kind of irony and humor in, humor in this situation where we see our temporal place where our kids are around all the time and, and, and there's that tension in the family. And then, and then you see this, like out of the mouths of Babes and infants, you've established strength. And what he's saying here is God is saying, I don't need everything that's fully polished and fully professional and fully capable and competent. I can use the simple, basic, normal things of life and I can set it right. I can defeat the enemies. I can create order from the chaos that you're experiencing. I can do it and I can use even the kids I don't need this big professional CEO to come in and fix things. God's saying, I could use the kids. I love to use the kids. I love to see just this this simplicity of humanity. And this place where we say, yeah, okay. 
And it gives me a better perspective that God doesn't look to the same strength sources that we look to. In this time, a psalm like Psalm 8 becomes so important because we can see that, you know, God has used the family. And, you know, I mean, social media, let's just get off it. But seriously, the crazy that comes out of the internet, the, the information and the biases, we talked a little bit about it last week. We, we, we hear so much about all of this news everywhere, all over the world, and it can be so overwhelming And the psalm like this, a practice of praying like this, says you could settle. When you look at the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? God has taken all of that and he said, you can settle in the rest of everything that's going on. I am so much beyond all of that that we have to consider even what is man that you're mindful of us. God is so much more secure. And you know what? When I want to hitch my cart to something that's sure, I want to hitch it to something that has proven himself over thousands of years, the immortal and immovable God, the one who has said, I am going to do this and I care for you. Even though you don't have the strength to fix the crazies around you, even though you can't fix so much of what's going on, God is saying, in the midst of the craziness, I have you, I care for you, and I choose to. It's not by your right. What is man that you are mindful of him? It's not by your right. It's not by who you are that got God's attention. It's who God is that he chooses to care for you and me and work through our own experiences of crazy. We reflect on the incomparably great God who exceeds every boundary and limitation. That's what Kaiser said. That's beautiful. So let's just break down uh, Psalm three or Psalm six into uh, Psalm eight into three parts. Too many numbers on my screen. Um, let's break that down. We have God's glory, strength, and power. It's established in the heavens, and that's what happens here on earth. That whatever happens here on earth can't diminish God's glory. His power and His rule isn't established here on earth. It's established in the heavens, and then we see it on earth. You know, he's not looking for permission. He's not looking for an army to come and, you know, elevate God to be king. He is king. He is majesty. And we need to remember that. You know, in terms of building on the theme of God's greatness, we see that the praise of the weak and of the small is what he looks for. He's not looking for that professional, you know, clergyman or CEO to come in and fix everything. He's looking for the one who sees themselves through their humble perspective and sees, you know, what am I that you're mindful of me? It doesn't mean that God needs our praise. He's just looking for people who are going to acknowledge that we don't even compare to God. 
I don't compare to God. In physical form, I don't compare to God. God is beyond me. In knowledge, I don't compare to God. In wisdom, I don't even, I don't even measure. And so we don't compare. And he looks to, to the praise of the weak, the infants and babies. And that is what you and I are as well. We are that. We are just, just small beings so much that it sets us into awe when the majesty of God says, I care for you. And, and so we, you know, as church people, we find that a little bit hard because we want to help establish the kingdom. I mean, I talk so much about foreshadowing the kingdom of God. And we really need to, to make that line clear that we can't establish it because we're just not that being but we can point to it. We can foreshadow it and say, this is what God is going to do. This is what God does. You know, we don't create God's kingdom. We give voice to it. And so when we read this psalm, we hear the voice of the glory of God, and it's putting us in our place. You know, the other thing that comes out of this, the, the second part of the body, is God is creator and the smallness of humanity. I've been talking about that a little bit. You know, um, we, we sometimes think about what is our significance. I know that as, as a male, my experience is that I, I link a lot to my significance. You know, what is my role? Oh, well, I am the lead pastor of Promise Church. It's like so prestigious or something. But significance matters to each one of us. It matters to us. It's like, how do I fit in this? And, you know, it's a big part of our identity but we get to look at that and we get to say, in the scope of God, my significance is found in the role that God has given me. The role that God has given me is now my third part, which is the gracious role of humanity in creation. We rule over creation. This becomes the occupation of God's creation of humanity, is to rule over creation. And this psalm, as a prayer, helps remind us of the larger scope and the larger vision in which we're called to. You know, flocks, we maintain our agricultural landscape and treating animals responsibly and protecting them, caring for them, you know, and, uh, and allowing them to uh, feed us and contribute to our welfare as well and doing that in a good, responsible way. Wild animals, we're called to care for them, to show them the spaces in which they roam, to make sure that we don't encroach on them too much. We're to have dominion as a badge of responsibility, as a badger, this is, this is right here, where it's like, you know, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands in verse 6, and put all things under his feet. It's the sense of responsibility for this physical earth that God has created. This is our place. We sometimes need to escape our small little view of the world, and in our prayers, we need to think of the majesty of God and the macro view of why God put us even here. It's found right here. You've, put, you've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You know, two main purposes arise from the trust of God's majesty. One is that we're to give God praise. And the other one is that we're to take care of creation. 
And that's what this psalm gives us. It reorients us in, from the smallness of what we consume our life with. It gives us the big view and says we, we give God praise in our prayers. We acknowledge who he is. And you know, if your prayer comes out where it's like, oh, well, that didn't, that didn't sound glamorous or majestic. The reason sometimes we, we try to articulate and use better words is because as humans, we are artistic, all of us, whether you're like an artist or not, we are artistic. And so we offer our words, we articulate as best we can the glory and the grandeur of God, not to make God feel better, but for my sanity. That I could say that no matter what's going on, God is God of all gods, King of all kings, Lord of all lords. He is my anchor in which I place my trust. He is the one who will see me through not just this life, but through the life to come. And so I can have hope in all of this. We give our praise to God and we take our responsibility to care for creation, not just to care for me is number one, not just to care for my family. Those are important things. But that the larger perspective is that we need to be aware of how we manage and steward our responsibility on this planet. It's a big deal. And so we see this coming out of the psalm, that, that we see a better perspective of life. And so as a prayer habit, it's really good to pray through the psalms. It gives us a larger perspective on topics to pray for. Instead of, dear Jesus, I pray for my ankle because I sprained it, help it get better. Our prayers create a whole new level of interaction with God, where we could talk about his majesty. Our responsibility is not to support God, but to allow us to know and have genuine significance. You know, your work, what you do, paid or unpaid, is significant, it's important, it's a part of who we are. And so finally, the last thing that, that comes out of this psalm is God's majesty and his greatness ends the psalm. Our significance is only derived because of God's majesty, his sovereignty. Our significance is something that God chose to give us and he chose to give us a role. So he chose to give us care and chose to give us a role. And so God's majesty and his faithfulness is our greatest hope. It becomes that centering point in all of the craziness that we might experience now in this world you know, as people run around say, you know, the sky is falling and things aren't going well and we're in crisis after crisis and we can't tell what the economic future holds and there's so many worries on people's plates. Psalm 8 brings hope because God was never challenged by any of this. And he cares for you. So as we find hope in Psalms, I pray that you would continue to practice finding hope in the Word of God. Let me pray for us. God, we are humbled because while you have given us and granted us significance, we don't hold a candle to your greatness and your majesty. And so we understand our place. <clears throat> we understand our reliance on you. 
And God, we worship you because you are majestic. You are greater than anything that we have ever seen before. Your power exceeds all. And so we look to you for our strength. We look to you as our anchor, the one we hitch our ride to because you are the one who will not fail. You are the God of all other gods, the King of all other kings, and the Lord of all other lords, and we would prefer no other. And so Jesus, today as we come into your presence, I pray that you would allow us to allow our prayer life to reflect on your reality in as much as it reflects on our reality. That our prayer life would start to transcend my own need and immediate perspective and start to look at your glory, your majesty, your strength and long-lasting faithfulness And the fact that you cannot be shaken by any of our crises. Help us find our hope in that. Help our prayers reflect to ourselves and to you, your glory, so that we can stand and walk confidently. In Jesus' name, amen.